Let's go to John chapter 3. If you're going to stay in here for our adult session tonight, John chapter 3 is where we're going. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. It's still powerful if you say it either way. I'm just glad you're here. Anybody, everybody feel some victory in the place, in the house tonight? Feels good. Thank you, musicians and singers, for your sacrifice on Wednesday. You know, how many times have I heard the worship leader say, I know you probably had a rough week, but let's worship God anyway. You know, I thought to myself, you need to change your job if it's that bad. You, it's not the will of God for you to always be barely making it all the time. And if you're in some dead-end job where they beat you up all day long, you might want to think about a career change. Because I'm sorry that it's that bad for you. I understand work is tough sometimes, but I hope you're not getting beat up. You're a child of the king. You need to pray until God gives you the right occupation that gives you liberty and victory to do his will. And uh, so I'm sorry if that's you tonight that's always beat up on Wednesday. But I want you to be able to come to church with excitement. I want you to come to church on Wednesday not being tired all the time. And that's just, that's just not the will of God. You need to come in here ready and excited to, to be in the house of God and not barely making it. And so whatever you've got to do, I believe God will help you do it. I believe the Lord will help you change it, whatever you need. But I care about you, and I want you to have a good occupation, and I want you to have a good life. Let's all stand, John chapter 3, and honor the word tonight. And... Um, Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Everybody say exposed. They don't want to get caught. They don't want their deeds exposed. They like to be hidden. They like to stay away from anything biblical or light or truth or Jesus. Because the closer you are to the church, the Bible, to Jesus, the more you get exposed. And when you're exposed, there's consequences to being exposed. But there's also a blessings to being exposed. And so this is such a powerful scripture. And here's why. Because John 3 is traditionally not known for this scripture. John 3 is traditionally known for the new birth, Nicodemus. But this is also part of that good news, being born again of water and spirit. This is the rest of it. This is the rest of John 3. It's the part that oftentimes is overlooked. And that is the light is not exciting for everybody. As exciting as the beginning of John 3 is, not everybody wants the light. Not everybody wants this. And I know that's hard for maybe you and I to, to wrap our heads around, but not everybody wants this. I want this. I enjoy this. I want the light in my life. But not everybody wants the light. And, and so I really felt inspired tonight to talk about what you don't know can hurt you. I mean, ignorance is not bliss. And I think as Christians, we, we like to bury our head in the sands and, and not know and, and close our ears and close our eyes. But uh, there was a time that God winked at ignorance, but no more. You can't be ignorant anymore. We're, we're the people of truth and revelation and light. And I know that if you don't like that, that you, you can't be saved. It won't work. You won't be blessed. And so tonight, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the light. I want to talk about exposure. I want to talk about the blessing of it. And I want to protect someone tonight from running away from truth, running away from exposure, from light, from all these beautiful things that can help bless your life. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I'm glad you're here. And I, I care about you all, and I want, I want you to be right with God. I want you to be safe in the last days that we're living in. I want you to be protected, and I want you to be full of truth. Boy, we need truth bad in this hour of darkness that we're living in. Look, I've got, I've got some notes on my phone. I've got these categories in my notes app, and I've got them broken up into sermons and different types of sermons and I just, throughout the weekdays, I type and I write ideas down. And when I study the Bible, I, I write ideas down. And so I've got under my hot sermons tab, <laughs> that's funny, it's kind of embarrassing to confess, but under my hot sermons tab, I have 233 that I haven't even finished developing yet. So, yeah, we're not going to run out of them. 
anytime soon. There's plenty to, to preach around here. And I've got other tabs like teaching, uplifting, uh, holiday sermons. That's also embarrassing. Um, youth rally sermons, which nobody really asked me to ever preach youth rallies, but just in case, <laughs> I'm ready. And, uh, you know, sermon series, salvation series, uh, salvation sermons, maturity sermons, uh, uplifting sermons. Those are like those shout-down services. I only, I only have like a, a few of those. But uh, every now and then we'll pull one out maybe and we'll, we'll do that. But I, I feel like being holy and the blessings of God produce the shouting. I don't think that church produces shouting. I think that loving God produces shouting. And there are churches that you can have a Holy Ghost party in, but they're oftentimes created by an atmosphere on the platform. And I think true Christians ought to be able to shout anytime, anywhere, with the organ playing or not playing, with your friends there or not there. And that's, that's probably why I digress. So, let's, so I have these notes, and I, I write them down, and this is just me <laughs> from my notes tonight. And I, I wanted to just open my heart, open the Word, and talk to you about this, this topic that what you don't know, it can hurt you. So pay attention, listen, study, get your head out of the sand, and be open to whatever you can get, because ignorance will hurt you. Ignorance will damage you greatly. Yes, it will. Um, Running from grace is one of the saddest things you could ever see happen. But people run from grace all of the time. People run from the grace of God all the time. The church is a church of grace. The church is a place of mercy. The church is a place of love and joy and second chances and third chances. And it's crazy that people would run away from that. It's crazy people would run away from that. Uh, the church is a full of, of truth. We're the people of the light and we use the scripture and we, we open up truth and we shine into the darkness, and we, we bless people and help people, and you think everybody would want that, but it's sad not everybody wants that. I believe that uh, ignored prophecy is completely damning to you. I believe that prophecy is a gift from God. I believe that prophecy is a heads-up warning of the direction that you're going to give you a chance to repent. I don't believe that prophecy is scary one bit. I believe that prophecy is just a warning. I want prophecy to come to me. I want prophets to speak to me. You know, the higher you go up in the kingdom, the more you should want the prophecy to come to you. You don't ever want to be deceived. Think about it. Who did the prophets talk to the most in the Old Testament? The kings. The people you think wouldn't need it, need it the most. Why? Because the higher you go up in the kingdom, the more you think you don't need anything. So the longer you're in church, the more you need to desire the prophetic. The longer you've had the Holy Ghost, the more you should be like, I don't have it all figured out. Because what happens to us when we're in church is we think that we know it all. And that is the first step to you failing is thinking that you've learned everything. And there's nothing else you need. And if anybody needs the working of the gifts of the Spirit, it's people who've been in church a long time. Because you can't tell them anything. But when God begins to reveal things prophetically, it is so healthy for us because we have the capacity to mess up, make mistakes, and not see ourselves even though we've been in church a long time. And so we need prophecy, and we need to know what God wants to tell us. You, you Listen, you can't run from yourself. You can't run from yourself. Run all you want to. You're, you can't run from you, and the problems are in you. You can't run from the problems because you are the problem. People do not make you a problem. People reveal how messed up you already were. People don't cause problems for you. People reveal how testy you are. People reveal how you don't have love in your heart. People reveal how you don't have peace in your spirit. People reveal that. That's why you run from anybody who reveals it. And you think that if you get away from your triggers... You'll be more holy. No, now you'll just be unholy and not know. And that is so dangerous for us. That's why we need to understand that we do not run from truth. We do not run from anything that's trying to dig it out of me. God may have had you get married to that person just to help you get saved. Just because they're the only one that will tell you the truth about you. 
Everybody else just smiles at you and says, hey, brother. But your wife says, you need to change. And so we want to run away. We want to buy a bass boat. We want to just go work all the time. We want to get away, get away, get away from anything that makes us have to be like Jesus. And that is not the will of God for us. God, look, it was God's idea to put us all together in the church. It was God's idea to make us all drink from the same cup of salvation and share that and all hang out with each other and command us to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That wasn't our idea. That was his idea. And he, he commands us to be together because he wants it to be exposed. I love the scripture. I don't think it's talked about a whole lot, but I love the one that says, try the spirits to see if they're of God. Has anybody ever tried your spirit? <laughs> Go ahead and say amen tonight because it's, com it's coming to you whether you want it or not. You might as well just ride with it. You might as well get on the wave. You might as well just learn to surf with it, okay? But you've got to understand, it's, it, this is just part of us digging out what is inside of us. It's already there. It just needs to be revealed, talked about, healed, and fixed. So don't run away from it. Here's a ministry tip for anybody wanting to minister to other people. The more effective and truthful that you are, the more the insincere seekers will find you irrelevant. The more you're good at doing your job as a minister, the more you will no longer attract half-hearted Christians or half-hearted seekers. Because when you get good at revealing light, evil people hate you. And when you start to get good at being a Christian, evil people hate you more. And this is one of the reasons why we don't want to be holy or used by God. Because we like to maintain our connections in the world. Because they give us some type of carnal blessing. But we have got to understand that when you become the people of God and you're the light, you work in prophecy, you work in gifts of the Spirit, that everywhere you go, you know the Scriptures and you talk about God. People that love the darkness, they don't want to talk about it with you. They don't even want to be around you. Just your attitude oozes holiness. And people that love the darkness can't stand you. And if you're a people pleaser, you're not going to be a good minister. I'm a God pleaser. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm a broken person pleaser. Not a whole person pleaser. People that are broken will love you. People seeking the light will find you. If you want to be popular in the kingdom of God, you've got to be light people. People that reveal, people that talk, people that expose. This is good. There's no such thing as a dark surgery room. Just chopping stuff up in the dark. It's the brightest room in America. When you're under a surgery table, light is everywhere. You're naked and there's lights. Think about that for a second. I think we got people in our church that do that job. How are you saved right now doing that job? How, you, how do you flip them down, throw them on the table, turn the lights on, and still go to heaven? I don't know how. You've got a better prayer life than me, my brother. But that place right there is to save your life. And it is the most embarrassing. Thank God they put you to sleep. You, whenever you go to sleep, it's just like, well, we'll see you later. Like, okay, you're so nice. Don't check the security cameras. Be flopping you around all over the table like a rag doll. You woke up sore. That's not even from the surgery. That's when I'm trying to manhandle you on the bed. But the, all of that embarrassment and pain and suffering is to save you. It exposes it's uncomfortable, but when you know you need something to change you, you're grateful for it. You'll even pay for it. Satan is attractive to the selfish. Anyone selfish does not like the church because everything we teach and preach is so anti-selfish. And when, I, when we make somebody mad, they're selfish because our topics, everything we teach is selfless. Jesus is attracted to selfless. And that's just the truth of it. The most dangerous church is a church 
that doesn't deal with things. The most dangerous church is a church that has great music, great programs, but doesn't deal with things. Most dangerous pastors are the ones who could but don't. There's some elders that have a whole lot more wisdom than me that are quieter than me. They should be talking. In fact, if they did, I probably wouldn't have to. Probably shouldn't be me, Brother Matthew. I'm only 40. There's some 65-year-olds that have a whole lot more on me, but they're quiet. And I'm not rebuking them. I'm telling them, I need you. I wish we had them. There are some great pastors in Pentecost, great men of God who have YouTube, people in their church can put them on YouTube, and they're quiet. They're quiet about things, and I think they ought to be loud. And I would celebrate them if they were loud, and I would support them if they were loud. But we are too quiet. We don't want to expose. We don't want to talk about tough subjects. We don't want to deal with things. And while we're doing that for our own benefit, people are weak and suffering and hurting and not blessed all around us. And it's not the will of God. The church has got to deal with things and not leave the saints ignorant. The saints of God should not be ignorant. You should be the wisest, most informed people in all the world. You should know everything you need to know. You should not be living in the dark. We're the people of the light. I think sometimes people think that I'm, I'm bold or my personality is loud because I'll say things or you'll say you're straightforward or maybe, maybe someone would say, wow, you're awful brave for saying that on YouTube online. I think that people think that it may be that I'm just bold or I'm not afraid, but after thinking about it and some research on being bold, I've come to the conclusion that what is the alternative to not saying something? Because that's also scary. And so it could be that I'm not bold, but I'm fearful in a different way. I'm scared that if I don't say something, it will get worse. And so you've got to ask yourself, is it better to deal with it sometimes? You say, well, I'm scared to deal with it. But you're not scared to not deal with it. The devil will tell you it won't get worse. Just don't deal with it. But my weeds in my front yard get worse when you don't deal with it. My car gets worse when you don't deal with it. My house gets worse when you don't deal with it. My marriage gets worse when you don't deal with it. Everything in this life is bound for corruption unless you intervene and bring something to help it. And I believe that the reason why we need to talk and speak and engage more is because the alternative is worse. People are like, well, I'm scared to get involved. You're not scared to not get involved? Well, I'm scared that something bad will happen. Something bad is already happening. Think about it. If you do nothing, Esther... What will happen? Well, I could die. You're going to die anyway. The question is, how? What's your percentage chances that you'll make it out if you say something? And so this idea of hiding and running is not a Christian quality. This idea of not talking things out is not a Christian quality. The Bible tells me not to let the sun go down on my wrath. Can we deal with this before it gets worse? This is a Christian problem. This is a Christian principle that we should have. But we run and we hide and we like to be ignorant because then we can claim, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. But I'm telling you, a lot of times things get worse when you choose to not get involved in them. The truth doesn't make you offended unless you love darkness. That's it. The truth does not offend you unless you love darkness. Truth is light. So if you don't like truth, you don't like light. Therefore, your deeds are evil. And people that are offended at truth are people that don't love the light. And what we have let happen in in our church, in our lives, our personal lives, is we have let the way that it's said to us Pull away the truth or fight against the truth. 
You can pick apart the way we say it anytime you want to. You can complain that I said it too soft. You can complain I said it too loud. You can say the timing was off. Just do it in five minutes or tomorrow. But what we have done is we have let the enemy tell us that there's got to be truth given perfectly before we receive it. And all of that is cop-outs for people who do not want the truth. I'm the type of guy that I'd rather have the truth served on a cold platter over nothing at all. I'd rather have the truth said to me any way it needs to be said to me. I want the truth because I know that the truth will make me free. I don't care how I give the truth. I'm not going to split hairs with you on that. I know that nobody who gives truth is perfect, but I know that truth is perfect. And so I don't care how the truth gets to me. I just want the truth. The truth blesses me. And we get all caught up on the way truth gets to us that we can't even hear the truth. And a lot of us don't have truth because we have these excuses that they gave it to me wrong. When you're hungry for something, you don't care what it's served in. When you want something so badly, you don't pick apart everything about its delivery. And that's why I personally could preach a message and half the church love it and half hate it. Because not everybody wants the truth the same in the church. And you have been there too and you felt that too when you're in relationships and you're in this world and you wonder why some people like you and some don't. Because not everybody wants what we have to offer. There are many people who want to run and hide and not deal with things. And we are a church that heals people. And we have no relevance for people that don't want help. None. There's nothing you or I can do for people that don't want help. We've got to get our head out of the sands. We've got to get up and get involved. Because doing nothing, it gets worse. Doing nothing, it will always get worse. Jesus warned at the day of judgment that there would be people who claim, you ought to let me in because we prophesied in your name. Because we, we shouted and we had good church and because we cast out devils. And there's going to be a shock to people one day. Because Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. And I think that with that prophecy, with that warning, it should be that every one of us is very careful not to get caught up in being spiritual and still missing out on truth. If you believe that scripture, then you have got to make up your mind, I am not going to hide behind what I'm doing right. Well, how many times have, <laughs> have you felt tempted when you're under criticism to start talking about what you do right? Ain't nobody talking about that. You know, your boss calls you in the office and it's like you've, you've been making some mistakes. And you know what you want to do? But I've also done things good. <sighs> Listen, you just cost the company $3 million. You've made us 100000 But let's talk about the 100000 that we made. Can we not be positive? You've got us in the negative. And that's what we do. When criticism comes, we start to get easily offended. And we say, I don't think you're for me. I, I, why can't we talk about the positives that I bring to the company? And that's, we miss it. We miss it. If you're doing something right, great. But you'll never grow until you begin to focus on the things that are wrong. Why are we spending all of our time bragging about the 5% success in the church? Why are we spending all of our time shouting about the, the three or four things we've mastered when there's six more to go? It doesn't make any sense to me that we would just celebrate, celebrate, celebrate and not continue like Paul to push toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. We should be getting up daily saying, but I'm not there yet. I haven't reached the end yet. I still have a long way to go. I'm thankful for what I've accomplished, but I'm not there yet. We spend a lot of our time needing so much affirmation, so much bragging on us, because we don't have a love for truth. Man, I, 
I don't care about what I've done right. I got more to go. I'm not there yet. I'm not so emotionally insecure that I need you to brag on me all the time about what I've done right. I know I've got more of a journey before me. I know there's more God's got for my life. When you talk to me, let's talk about how we can go forward, not brag about the past. Nothing's getting done bragging about the past. You know what? That makes you comfortable. Well, let's talk about what good you've done for the 15 years. That's just going to make me comfortable. I'm not satisfied. I'm not settling. God's called me to something bigger than what I've accomplished so far. I want to get my head out of the sand, and I want to deal with some stuff. Let's go. Let's push. We're the people of God. Let's don't get comfortable. Let's don't just brag about what we've done so far and put our trophies up. Let's look at that. We've got so much more to do. Where's our drive inside of us? And I want to be careful. I don't want to brag about the devils I've cast out and miss something. I mean, if, if there's something you're, you're missing, don't you want me to call it out tonight? While you have a chance to repent, while you've got a chance to get right, before it's too late, would you not want God to reveal it? Then why are you so offended when it starts to be revealed? I'm convinced the people that are easily offended don't get blessed. Why would God send anybody to offend you? I really believe you've got to get it in your spirit that I want more. I love when you help me. I love it. I want more. I want my kids to be saved. You know the spirit as a parent should be, Pastor, any advice you can give me for my kids I, was, I grew up, and I'm a, I'm a mess today because of my childhood. I do not want that for my kids. Where's that spirit at? It blows my mind how we can be so protective of our kids, and we don't even know what we're doing. No one raised you right, and you're perfect at it? No way. Yo, we need help. We've got to get that in our spirit. We've got to get it inside of our heart. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to put my head in the sand and, and put my ear, my, plug my ears and be like, oh, I don't want to listen. I don't Because then you're accountable for that knowledge. Do you want truth? Do you want the light? That should be our heart tonight. God, help us have that, that heart. Everybody say in Jesus' name. I need revelation of truth is what I need. I don't need prophecy that the world's going to end. I already know that. I don't need prophecy the world's going to end. I know that. You know, I, I need to know me. the hardest thing I need is me. Me, right here. I need this figured out. If I can get this figured out, I can help a lot of people. I need to make sure I'm constantly not deceived. Constantly I have truth. Constantly I'm in the Word of God. It's so easy for me to believe a lie about myself, about you, about others. God, help me get my head out of the sand and get truth. I'm a different man when I have truth in me. I see clearly when I have truth in me. I'm more productive when I have truth in me. I want the truth in me. Sometimes you just need to study the wicked. And look how they are. They're cold. They're closed. Their fingers are in their ears. They don't want to talk to nobody. They're easily offended. Study the wicked. Some of us are on the way to becoming the wicked. Study how they live. Study how recluse they are. The serial killers are recluse people. Well, he was a quiet neighbor. He was inside of his house all the time. When you begin to pull away, study what happens to people in solitary confinement. They go crazy. There are videos right now of a young Israel, Israel girl, Jewish girl, who was, who was kept by Hamas for 40 days, 50 days, and she's come out, and she won't talk. She won't talk. Seclusion, darkness in a cave somewhere, underground, will make you worse. Look at the trend of people who pull away from church. Look at the trend of people who pull away from their pastor. Look at the trend of people who pull away from their marriage. Look at the trend of people who, who just stop getting involved. They stop praying. And, and look what happens. Look where they end up. And you've got to make up your mind that you love the light. I'm sorry, y'all. The light is not by yourself. You know what? People gather to the light. There people come to the light. If you're walking in the light, there's going to be a crowd. 
You don't find the light all by yourself. You find darkness by yourself. And you've got to have appreciation as a saint of God for light, for truth, for righteousness. Watch this. Jesus said, if you're offended, what do you do? Go, leave your gift at the altar. Go to the offender and talk to him. That sounds so simple and so hard. The last person you want to talk to is somebody that hurts your feelings. Right? Am I right? Why would Jesus ask me to do that? What if it gets worse? Oh, it's going to get worse. If you ignore that thing, it will get worse. Because the last memory you had was something negative. And you never made it right. You never got closure. People say this. They say, I prayed about it. Jesus didn't say pray about it. We in the book right now? Jesus didn't say, come talk to me. I'll help you out. Jesus said, go talk to them. Well, I, I, if I had a dollar every time somebody told me, they gossiped, but I prayed about it. You don't have any closure. Unless God told you and told them through the spiritual realm, and everybody's good in the spiritual realm, you need, you need closure. You, you know what you did? You prayed about how you're right and they're wrong, and you prayed that God would help you still go to the same church as them. But you never got it right with them. You never got closure on the thing. And that's why Jesus said, real Christians go to the face of the problem, and they fix it. Everything you need to fix a problem has already been downloaded to your spirit. He gave you a spirit. You have a spirit, then you have love whenever you meet that person. You've got joy when you talk to them. You've got peace when you talk to them. Oh, I'm scared they're going to fight me. Why will they fight you? You're showing up with love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. All those beautiful things are showing up just like that. Why would they want to fight you? Unless they're a devil. And if they're a devil, then you're going to find out real quick. Now you can sleep tonight because you, the devil's going to offend you. But if a brother offends you, Jesus said, go to him. Are you doing that? Oh, I know what we do. We will, we will dismiss that scripture and bring Jesus 10 that we're doing right. That's what we do in church. We say, well, God, hopefully my sin will outweigh the... Hopefully the good that will outweigh. You're not on a, a teeter-totter. You're not bouncing out your sin. and not Either you're in or you're out. There's no I do good and I do bad. There's no I do a lot of good and a little bad. There is sin and there's righteousness. There's in and out. You can't ignore a scripture you've been taught and be like, but I do lots of good things for the kingdom. You ignore Jesus. You ignored Jesus. You were offended and you know it and you ignore them and you go down another hallway and you find out where they're going and you don't hang out with the friends they hang out with. You've done the opposite that Jesus told you to do and you call yourself an obedient follower of Jesus because it's difficult to do. That's exactly right. It's hard to do it. But it's not hard for someone full of the Holy Ghost. That person... Is causing a problem. That person revealed how far you are away from God. Whatever caused you to miss church didn't cause you to miss church. It revealed that you never made your mind up you'd be here no matter what in the first place. I've made my mind up no matter what I'm going to be in the church. You're going to make your mind up on the worst case scenarios. You're going to do what's right. No matter what anybody else does, I'm going to do what's right. I'm already prepared for the worst case scenario. I've been commanded to do it a certain way. And if you hurt me, I will still love you. You ain't going to, you're going to run me off. You can't run off love. But what's happening is we have no closure because we will not do it God's way. We have let the spirit of the age tell us to divide, get away. It'll get better if you avoid it. You're not better. You're the same broken vessel waiting on the next person to offend you next week. And before you know it, the whole world's the problem and you're perfect.
It's a lie. You won't deal with things. You let them linger in your heart and you say you pray about them. You know what you pray about? Pray about getting the courage to go talk to someone and love them enough to talk to them. You don't pray that, that you can just forgive them and believe that they're messed up. Nine times out of ten, watch this, nine times out of ten, the problem wasn't even a big deal when you talked to them. How many of y'all found that to be true? A lot of times it's just a misunderstanding. And you say ten years you hadn't talked to that brother or that sister over a misunderstanding. You don't even know it's a misunderstanding because you won't meet with them and talk. Now you got so much pride over the situation that you can't meet because it's been ten years. See, the longer you delay doing what Jesus said, the worse it gets. That's why you have to do what's right quickly. I have a personal practice. If I find out someone is offended by me, I try to immediately go get on a phone call, whatever I can do to make it right. Because the quicker you can solve the problem, the better. Don't even give room for the devil to get in there and start lying to him. Don't even give room for the devil to lie. If you don't get closure, the devil can come back five years later and start speaking to you on that thing and lying to you. That's why Jesus said, go to the brother, go to the sister, and make it right. You need closure. You need to expose it. The devil's trying to divide you from somebody in the church. You need to get up there with that brother and grab a hold of them and that sister and say, we're not letting the devil divide us. I know his tricks. I know his ways. He's not going to get us. He's not going to get us. Come here. Get with me let's pray until this thing's better somebody say expose it you know what we're afraid of we're afraid the truth will come out that we're not that holy so we stay away from all of our triggers because we like the image of holiness we like to look holy yo i'm not a runner there are people in this room right now by default your personality is a runner you run from everything i'm not a runner I run towards it. I see a wreck, I want to chase it. I see a tornado, I want to go after it. I'm, I go after it. I like to find stuff. I like to chase things down. I, don't, I deal with my problems quick because I'm always involved in everything. I know my flaws. I'm involved in everything. A lot of people know my flaws. But you know what? We don't know flaws from people who run from stuff. They got flaws too. You just don't hear about them until they're offended. Silent future backsliders are all over the churches. And they're usually not involved in anything. They're just waiting on someone to trigger them and give them an excuse to do what they want to do. And they're hiding and they're not obeying the scripture because Jesus says to deal with things. Talk about them. Go to them. And, and I, love, I love that he says, leave your gift at the altar that is for me. Because he doesn't want your gift if you don't love his creation. Well, how many times do you feel like you've got something between you and God? You do. It's called your brother. You're like, God, I feel like there's something between us. God's like, there is something between us that's not right. It's the way you treat people and the way you won't deal with your brother and your sister when they treat you. You won't go make it right with the brother. You won't go make it right with whatever's happening in your life. And that is between us. And that's why your worship is failing. That's why your praise is failing. Because you know there's relationships that you're not making right. They don't have to listen, but you have to try. They may ignore you, but you have to try. You need closure that you love them enough when they've hurt you to go to them. Everybody deserves that. Everybody. That's what Jesus did for us. He came to us while we were sinners. Look, our God's not a hypocrite. He's already done what he's told us to do. He came to the earth while we were sinners, and that's why he tells you when someone sins against you to go to them. Because he wants us to do it by his example. Jesus doesn't run from problems. Jesus dies for problems. That's the Christian way. Well, if I get around somebody, what if, I, what if I get angry? What if I get triggered? Then that's who you are. You know the reason why you're not dealing with it? Because you're scared that man will show up. Because you know that man is still in there. So why don't you go ahead and repent and let that old man die again? And then you can go talk to anybody. Lord, help us. We're so deceived. We're hiding from everything that could reveal who we really are. You erase 
uh, passwords. You erase where you've been online. You erase where you're, you erase everything. We, we, have a, we have a delete society where you can just hide everything. Because you don't want to get caught having to answer for who you really are. Man, we, we need help. We, uh, we hide, we run, and we, we say, I got to go get safe. Because that's important, right? In the day we're living in, our safety and comfort is, is so important. Listen to the world talk. Being safe is holy. Then why was Jesus unsafe? But being, I have to protect my spirit. So I'm going to get away from that abuse. Oh, now everything's abuse? Now everything's abuse? No, not everything's abuse. Everything's probably just sin, carnality. But what we do now is we say, I need a safe place. Y'all, our colleges now have rooms that college kids can go in with and hold animals to feel better about themselves when someone offends them. They have private places where you can get alone and you can have your own space and play music and do yoga because whenever someone offends you now, it, it just crushes people to their core. That's the world we're living in right now. People are so messed up. God help us. We call it a safe space. And we say, I just need some alone time. The only time in Scripture Christians should have alone time is whenever someone triggered you and you need to go pray through about it so that you can come back and make it right, if they'll let you. Or you are on a mountaintop talking to God, and you're going to come right back down. That's it. That's when you get alone time. But everything beyond that is you're running from truth. That's it. Mark it down. Anytime someone drifts to being alone more and more and more and more, it's not godly. They're not growing in God. They're not becoming more holy. They're not right with God. Watch it. Mark it down. Watch the trend. Y'all, we go to alone time to be with God for a moment. Some people don't have God time. They have just me time. You don't need me time. You need he time. You need Jesus time. You don't go get a loan so you can collect your thoughts. You get a loan to collect his thoughts. You get a loan to get right in your spirit. You go get a loan to talk to God. You don't go have your personal time of crying and fit and stewing and mad and, and plotting your revenge. You go get your spirit right and say, do I love that person that hurt me? Like you love them, Jesus? Yes, I do. And Then you will try to make it right. They may not listen to you, but you did what was right, didn't you? You conquered that thing that was in your spirit, didn't you? And you're ready to go to heaven, aren't you? Yeah? Some people call it a season that they're going through, like a, a season of, of being alone. But No, be careful of that kind of language. Be careful saying it's just a season that I'm in right now. Be careful with all that because you can justify disconnecting from the body of Christ and from others and you can try to make it sound so spiritual. But it's not biblical. It's not healthy and you're not getting any better. So you've got to get around others and deal with it. Somebody say deal with it. You know what hurt does? Hurt, awkwardness, conflict, it reveals who I really am. Conflict reveals who I really am. You're like, God, why did the boss fire me? It probably revealed who you really were. What a great revelation. You lost money, but you gained eternity. Your spouse made you mad. It revealed who you really are. Nobody can hurt you like your spouse. Nobody can hurt you like the people that are supposed to love you. And that's what we say, just like that. You're supposed to love me. You promised me that you would. Our promises are... So hinging on our spirituality. That's what we do to people. That's how we talk to people. So hurt reveals who you really are. The hit, the slap on the cheek, reveals more about who you really are than anything else in life. Anything else. And that's why there will always be suffering and pain and offense. Because that's how we know who we are. And that's how we show we love. 
Anybody can love someone who never hurts you. Anybody can love someone who always blesses you. But how do people see Jesus Christ in you until you've been offended? How do people see the real Jesus in me until something bad happens? Until it's conflicting, until you're in each other's face, until it's awkward, until somebody's about to fight. That's when Jesus shows up. That's when the glory of God moves. That's when people are one to Christ. It's a beautiful thing. You've got to see it that way, though. Biblically speaking, in the Old Testament, it was the pit for Joseph. Look how he responded to what he went through. No wonder God elevated him. And in the New Testament, it was the spit on Jesus. I think that for Jesus, out of everything that happened, stripping him down naked and spitting on him had to be one of the most difficult things for God in flesh to endure. It's one thing to beat him up. It's one thing that's almost masculine, like, hey, at least I took some punches. But when you start to spit on someone, I don't make you want to call down angels and kill everybody. That's the Jesus way, isn't it? It reveals the truth of his love. I know some of you men have made your mind up what you will do if someone talks about your wife. Because it's never happened, but you've planned on it already. You've already planned on it because I hear you talking. If they ever said that about mine, you know what you're saying? You're telling all the guys, don't do it. You've already premeditated beating someone up over words? Thank God we catch this before you go to hell. I love my wife so much, I'm going to go to hell for her, and I'll never see her again. How foolish is that? But there are men in this place right now, you have premeditated your response. And it's in there right now, and it's who you are right now. You've got to have enough vision about you to see what you will do before it happens. You've got to have a premeditation of holiness and righteousness. You've got to go ahead and pre-plan how you will love someone. That's why Jesus said when you get hit the first time, plan on getting hit a second. Because he's trying to forewarn us that if you get hit once, don't be surprised if you get hit twice. What will you do when the hitting doesn't stop? better prepare now you better have a love for people right now that it doesn't matter what they do i will not let that corrupt me i am prepared to love no matter what that's the jesus way that's difficult but that's who we should be and a lot of us y'all we can't even pass the small test how are we supposed to get ready for the end time revival like, in the end time, there's supposed to be persecution, where they actually will cut her head off. You can't even handle someone taking your seat in church. You can't even handle, you can't even handle somebody looking at you crazy. Well, I've had people tell me, I kid you not, that that woman looked at me wrong. You're mad because some woman looked at you. What's up with women? I can't tell how many times women have said, they don't like me. Have y'all talked? No. That's why you won't talk to each other. God help us. Why do women's faces fight? Looking, they're like they look me up and down. Probably making sure you don't have a gun on you or something. Man, we living in crazy times. They can't look at people now. And y'all, that's on the street right now. If you look at someone wrong on the street, they'll shoot you. There are people on the internet that, that they do this for a prank. They'll go into the hood and they'll just stare at people. And the guy's like, you want some? You want some? That animal, that lion, whatever's happening inside of that guy, it was there the whole time. Oh, everybody likes that guy. He's a nice guy. Until you stare at him. I mean, I'm pretty sure these days you could smile too much at somebody. Be like, why are you smiling at me like that? Well, you smile, hey, back off, bro. You're smiling at me too much. 
We're living in a day right now where it's so wicked. It's because something's wrong with them. To the pure, all things are pure. There's so much in us that's not talked about, dealt with, revealed, because we like the bliss of ignorance just to be shocked one day when we get to judgment. And the Lord finally begins to tell us everything about ourselves that you kind of knew deep down but didn't want to deal with because it would be uncomfortable. How smart is that? To be uncomfortable a little bit right now and have heaven later versus not comfortable at all right now. I want to have, have a little bit of uncomfort right now so I can have heaven. Not be at peace all the time and have hell. Is that foolish? That's, that's a lazy spirit right there. That's kind of like wanting your paycheck without work. That's a lazy spirit right there. That's a spirit of the age right now that says, let the government pay for it. That's exactly what that spirit is. And I'm calling that spirit out. There's a laziness in this hour where you don't want to fight for it, work for it, hustle for it. That's what's wrong. This will cost us something to be Christian. But all the reward of what we do and the work we give is so worth it. Let me close with this one. Jesus, Jesus warned him and said, you're going to go through persecution. People are going to hate you. They're going to beat you and all kinds of bad things are going to happen. Later on it happened. Jesus prophesied it. It happened. And what they do whenever they got beaten, they got persecuted. What they do? The Bible says they rejoiced. They said, yeah, it happened. This is the weirdest. Like if I were there that day and they come out of there getting beat and they were like, score. This is great news. And like they're bleeding all over. And we're like, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. You're like, you're beat up, man. I'm going to go do it again. That was fun. I'm going to go preach some more. And I'm like, think about it for a second. You're beat up. You're going to do it again? Yeah. I'm praising God because I get to be like Jesus. That's not how we are. We don't celebrate it when we're offended by the Omar. We're so, God, where are you? I can't believe I pay tithes. And I go to church. Jesus told us what to do when we're persecuted. He told us how to respond to evil people trying to hurt us. He said, rejoice. He said, rejoice. And I started asking the Lord and thinking about it, and I was like, why would I rejoice? And there's nothing special about getting beat up. But you know what is special about it? Not getting revenge. Anybody can get beat up, Brother Dale. But not everybody can get beat up and give God a praise. Not everybody can get beat up and go back and preach again. Not everybody can get beat up and still love people through it. Not everybody can get beat up and not have a bunch of bitterness and say, I'm done with ministry. But you see, I think the reason why they shouted after getting beat up is because they didn't get bitter afterwards. The greatest miracle is not that you endured the hit, but you never let that toxic spirit get a hold of your heart. Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God help us to learn to rejoice when we're going through persecution because this is a platform for God to show his love throughout the world. You know why you ought to rejoice when someone does you wrong? Because you didn't hit them back. And that's who you used to be. You still came to church when the old man wouldn't have come to church. You still come and you serve God and you still try to shake their hand when you see them at church. And you don't go down the other aisle and you don't run away, but you go straight to them and you hug them and you love them and it's sincere and that ought to make you want to shout and rejoice because you know you have the victory. But you don't have the victory when you run. You don't have the victory when you run. And all you think about is how you can get away at all. Jesus told us you're going to go through tough times being like this. But learn to rejoice. And they did. 
And they praised God. And they thought it was good. No. God help us to not run from conflict and difficulty and trials, but learn to embrace them and say, God's going to do something good through this. And if nothing else comes good from this but me seeing the jerk that I am, thank God for it. We pray all the time, God, get them out of that situation. And you ask me for help, and I'm praying for you that you'll have everything better. Job, relationship, money, everything better. But what if it's the only thing keeping you safe? Because when things are good, you don't know who you are. And you're asking for God to make everything better. Well, you ought to be afraid of everything being better. And you ought to be afraid of everything being good. And you ought to fear and at least respect everything in your life going right. Because when everything's going right and the weather's good, you don't know what's missing in your walk with God. You don't know what you should be praying for. You don't have any purpose, any guidance. You're just floating along in bliss ignorance. But boy, when the pressure is applied, you know the areas of weakness that you need to work on. And I'm hoping tonight that we can at the most minimum see conflict and drama and people problems different. Stop being so afraid of the drama. Well, I worked all day. I just can't handle one more drama. Yes, you can. That's a lie from the devil. He's lying to you. I just can't take it. Stop talking that stuff. Prophesy to it. I just can't one more time. My kid, one more time. That husband, one more time. Stop talking that way. Yes, you can deal with it. Rejoice. Praise God. See it differently. This is going to be a good meeting. I can't wait to meet with you. I look forward to it. When we get together and pray in Jesus' name, the Lord's going to be in the midst of us, and he's going to help us. He's going to fix our relationship, our problem. There's nothing too hard for God. We're going to grow in this. I'm going to see something in me, and I'm going to learn from this. I'm telling you, if we could ever get this part of our spirit, not only will our relationships be sweeter, we will be more holy, more righteous, and more of a light to the world. Next time you got drama, say, good, God's about to work through me. Next time they're mad, say, good, I haven't got to show them how much I love them. Next time it's hail your life, say, okay. This is what I was made for. This is the moment for me to be a Christian. This is my test. This is, this is when I show up. And God is going to move through you and God's going to use you. And you're going to see victories after victories after victories. This is the will of God for us, church. We are not a running, weak, scared people. Isn't that right, Brother Craig? We deal with stuff head on. We are the head, not the tail. We're a mighty people of God. There's nothing we can't fix, nothing we can't prophesy to, nothing we can't see remedied. But we live in fear, and we speak fear, and we speak death, and we already assume it's going to get bad. And you can see somebody hurting you, offending you, and being bitter at you. You can imagine it, and that's why it happens. That's not who we are. And the longer you delay getting this figured out, the worse your life will get. I've been feeling this strong. Let me just say it. We got single people in the church right now, not just our church, everywhere. It's, it's really all over the world now. American culture, people are, are single longer. If you look at the trends, people are not getting married. It's not just the church thing. It's the, it's the way of our world right now. People are not getting married. I think under 50% of people are no longer married in this nation. In 19, uh, I don't know, 1930s, it's like 80-something percent were married. People don't want marriage anymore. But let me tell you something about being single. Some people want to be married, and you're not getting married because you refuse to work on yourself. And nobody can tell you anything. And that is the truth. It is hard being married. And you know it's hard to love people. 
And you know it's hard to trust people. And that's why it's not for everyone these days we're living in. But I think it's probably for more people than we realize. And I don't think it's the will of God to have this many single people. It's never been this way. It is now, and I don't think it's the will of God. I think it's a product of people not wanting pain, suffering, dealing with things. Well, my parents messed up, and my friends are messing up, and so therefore we'll probably mess up. So I just won't get married. And you're miserable. And you could be, but you've got to deal with your flaws. And you've got to deal with who you are. And you've got to become someone that could be more. I'm telling you, we have got to deal with these things and not run. I'm happy being single. Jesus is my boyfriend. Stop all that. People say that like, no, I'm good. Oh, Jesus is my boyfriend. Like a quivering lip, like holding back tears and. I don't think you're a bad person because you're single. I, I think you could settle for anybody if you wanted to. I don't think that it's impressive that you get married. But I, I think there are some people that they're scared because it will mean they've got to deal with things. Lord bless the children. <laughs> Is that the youth? God have mercy. I don't know if we should let them go youth treat right now. They can't even survive you service. Maybe they're casting that devil out finally in it. Maybe it's your kid. <laughs> a, little, a little blessing when you go home tonight. Everybody all right right now? My ministry is, is different than other ministries, and that's I want transparency. I want people to deal with things. I hate seeing people suffer under the surface. I hate scratching my head wondering why they don't have victory. And I can't put my finger on it because I know deep inside something's not right. And I'm telling you, if we will stop running from the most difficult conversations, there will be victory in our lives. Don't wait. Don't keep delaying. That thing gets worse the deeper the roots go. The bigger the tree gets, it costs you more. Stop waiting. Deal with the difficult ones. Get it aired out. Get it talked about. Get it healing. Get it done. Get it exposed. Let the light shine. Don't fear it. It will only bless you. Let's all stand tonight. I'm glad you came. I hope that you've learned. I hope that you grow. I hope that you... Or making up your mind that you want to deal with things, not run from things. I really do. I want you to feel safe at our church. I want, when you talk to people, for it to go well. And I want, when you go to a sister or a brother, thing to work out. I want us to get along with each other. And I want us to grow in our, our marriages, our children. We've got to make tough decisions, I know. But we have everything we need to make those decisions. We're the people of God. And I just want us to be open to the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Well, let's just pray in closing. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for the great people of God. I believe, Jesus, you are opening our hearts up. I believe that you've got blessing for us. I believe that your plans for us is so great and so wonderful. I don't want to ever run away from your grace. I don't ever want to run away from your love. I want to run towards you. I want to run towards the church. I want to run towards the word of God. I don't want to hide. I don't want to uh, play dumb. I don't want to act like everything's okay when it's not. I'm ready. I want help. I want it now. I want prophecy and gifts to open up and I want edification and I want, the, I want you to work and heal what's wrong and let's deal with it. Let's get closure. Let's have relationships that are deep and good and let's have trust again, God. Let's have trust in the church. There's got to be trust in the church. There's got to be trust in the church. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Somebody said there's got to be trust in the church. There's got to be trust in the church.
Man, we need that bad, don't we? I mean, we don't know who we can trust anymore. But we're not building that kind of church here. And I've got time to dig this thing out. I'm just 40, but this church's foundation is not going to be a church that's going to talk about each other in a negative way. We're going to talk about each other, but it's going to be good. We're going to talk, we are going to talk about each other. And it's going to bring fruit. It's going to bring blessing. It's going to draw people in. But we got to have trust. This whole world is so messed up. People can't trust anybody. You're going to trust here. And we're going we're gonna to prove it to each other. Every conflict you resolve, you gain a brother and a sister. Y'all hear me? The next time there's a conflict, say, good. I'm going to get close to that person. This is going to make us have coffee. This is going to make us have prayer meetings together. This is going to make us get this out in the air. Finally dealt with. Because I'm sick of that hovering over us all the time. I can't keep preaching. Let me, let me stop. Please make sure your kids are alive before you go home tonight. I encourage you to check on them. Check them for brain injuries, broken arms. Uh, there was a lot of people online like, what's going on? There were some loud noises up there tonight. So, And if you, if you uh, believe that our youth staff is at fault, uh, I encourage you, this is a great night for you to have a conflict resolution and not fight with the Diego. And so... Uh, God bless you. Don't fight Jesse because that might not work out well, but you might could pick someone else. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. I love you all. We'll see you this weekend. Shake hands. Be friendly. Greet a guest. Greet somebody new around the church.